Welcome, friends, back to another episode of Mind Games. I'm Garen Emick, host of the show on the Sellout Crowd Network. Write columns a lot of the times on the Sooners and the Cowboys, occasionally talk about the Sooners and the Cowboys. Do it weekly with a special guest on the show. We thank you very much for watching and listening, however you consume my show and my colleagues on the Sellout Network. We thank you for your attention. We know that you have choices when it comes to uh, how you, what you read, what you listen to and watch. And uh, the fact that you've taken time to help us here at Sellout is not something we take for granted. So appreciate that. Certainly appreciate digging into the head of our guest this week, doing some thinking and talking with Brett McMurphy, the National College Football Insider for Action Network. Uh, Brett is some, someone I'm sure a lot, of, uh, a lot of our listeners and viewers are familiar with. From, uh, from his years of being a, a national college football insider. He has ties to Oklahoma State, as it turns out, and a little more indirectly to Oklahoma. So we're going to talk plenty about Bedlam with that game coming up very, very soon. Uh, Brett, first of all, thank you for, for joining us, number one. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, Barry Trammell and Jenny Carlson reached out to me. I said, no way, I'm not talking to them. I'm oh, talking to Garen. So, uh, yeah, sorry I had to push those guys off, but I, 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 I saved myself for you. But no, I appreciate you having me on. It's, it's a first to be thought of for me to, ahead of uh, Barry and Jenny. So I, I will try to treat you as well as they'll treat you when you, when you grace them with your presence down, down the road. <laughs> um, you, uh, quick you know, bio, Reader's Digest version, if you please. Uh, let, let everyone know uh, you've got the journalism background, but when did you, when did you make the leap to national college football insider? That, that sounds like pretty serious business. Yeah, I actually started, um, you know, I did journalism through high school with mighty Yukon Millers. Uh, I think we're kind of struggling this year. I've been watching a little <laughs> high school football online, uh, but yeah, from Yukon went to Oklahoma state, got into journalism. After that, I actually went to my first two years out of college, Odessa, Texas, and I covered Odessa Permian. So if okay. you've read the book, Friday Night Lights, seen the movie, the TV show, the Broadway play, the parade, whatever, uh, I actually covered those kids um, wow. as sophomores. And then I got a job in Tampa with the Tampa Tribune. And then Buzz Bissinger swept in behind me <laughs> and he became the billionaire. And I went on covering high schools in Tampa. And so yeah. I just gradually progressed to colleges and um, you know, covered the University of South Florida beat for a while and then moved on from the Tampa Tribune to uh, CBS Sports, ESPN and a thousand other joints. And now I'm at Action Network, still doing yeah. college football, still living in Tampa. So can't Very complain. Cool. Yeah. Still breaking stories, making calls, uh, sending, sending some of the most delicious tweets that are on the social media that to, for us to devour every, every week. So you so I, I guess we can. We can say then you laid the groundwork for the maybe the one of the most important pieces of sports uh, literature of all time. Then you you did the, the hard work so the buzz can come in. And, exactly. Yeah. And, my and, my buddies tell me I you know I had this I'm sitting in a bar in Odessa, Texas, drinking uh, dollar Coronas, saying, "Hey, I got a great idea for a book, Friday Night Lights." Ah, screw it, give me another Corona. Somebody <laughs> overheard me and ran with it. But uh, yeah, no, it was. Yeah, that was an uh, unbelievable experience for me. Yeah. And I, I literally learned more about covering college, a college beat, covering Permian High School those two years. Yeah. Uh, it was yeah. incredible. It's like covering, I mean, you really can't put it in perspective, but it's like covering a professional team at a high school level. And the town just, you know, was all in on that school. Um, 
And it was, it was just amazing. But Buzz actually called me when he was doing the book just to kind of pick my brain to see if mm. there was anything he was missing. Obviously, he had it covered down to a T. But yeah, yeah, it was an unreal experience. And also, you know, I don't know how people think the people in Odessa are presented in in the book if you go back and read it. But they are simply the nicest people on the face of the earth, bar none. Yeah, I believe that. And I can I can relate. By the way, I'm, I'm coming to you from Tulsa. When you talk about covering a high school team as if it were a, a professional outfit, I, I don't know if the suburban powers here in Tulsa, Bixby, Jinx, Union, Broken Arrow, quite qualify for professional, but certainly small college. I get past small college about 10 years ago, Brett. So oh, yeah. it's not Odessa Permia necessarily, but yeah, I, I know about the culture you're talking about for sure. Um, all right, let's 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 dive in then. College football. Uh, one of the things, no secret to again anyone familiar with your work is, you know, one of one of your one of your many niches is what you do every uh, every mid every early December where you you break bull news as to who's going where on Selection Sunday for college football if you want to call it that day of the playoff is announced and then you you spend the rest of the afternoon letting everyone know uh, fans and media alike uh, where their favorite teams or the teams are covered or headed and uh, let's let's just go ahead and get this over with out of the out of the gate. You, you, like a lot of uh, your colleagues on the national front, put together bowl projections every week. And you do have a Big 12 team in your in your four-team playoff, but it's not Oklahoma. And so, and so I'll, I'll, I'll let listeners, uh, viewers of a Sooner ilk down a little easy out of the gate and give you a chance to, uh, to identify uh, whether you think the Longhorns have staying power to make the playoff and, and why that is. Yeah, well, I actually moved Texas into my, my final four this week. But when I do the bowl projections, I actually did them before the news broke about Quinn Ewers being out for several weeks. I don't feel that good about it. I'll have to see how they do this week against BYU without Ewers. So I may move Texas out of that spot. And this is not a slide on Oklahoma. I just, I base that on the only way Oklahoma gets to a playoff other than mass chaos where the top three or four teams all lose two games. The only way Oklahoma gets to the playoff is 13-0. and 0. Right. I don't see any scenario where 12-1 and 1 Oklahoma, even as a Big 12 champ, gets in. Strength of schedule, non-conference schedule, ranked opponents, all that stuff factor into it. Oklahoma's in a disadvantage compared with the teams they're going to get compared with. So that's why I had Texas up there. I believe that t- if with the healthy Ewers, that Texas would win the rematch. Um, you know, again, I'm taking this strictly from a football perspective if the texas oklahoma game was played 10 times and you had the same statistical um breakdown that you had in that game texas probably wins seven out of ten times so why would i say that they outgained oklahoma they had three turnovers oklahoma had none texas had a first and goal that they didn't score so you play that out 10 times and more times than often Texas would win the game. But still, mm-hmm. credit to Oklahoma. They won the game. Right. That's what counts. That's what happens moving forward. But so the reason I don't have Oklahoma in my final four is I I believe they have to go 13 and 0. And Garen, I don't I'm not confident at this point right now that that they can do it. Yeah. Uh and that's that's perfectly reasonable. And there is the idea, not the idea, I think uh near fact that if if you're gonna play a team twice. Better to drop the first game in October, right, than, than wait until a conference championship rematch. And 
in this season, especially with Oklahoma's schedule, non-conference didn't didn't do them any favors. The Big 12 outside of Texas, although OSU's making a charge, not going to help, I don't think, right. yep. in terms of quality wins. And so, yeah, it, it does leave you with this is it's it's all on the table nationally, assuming OU shows up unbeaten still in Jerry World and assuming Texas is there to play them. It, it is still uh, uh, there's there's no recourse but to win that game if you're if you're Oklahoma. Yeah. And look, I mean, Texas has the Alabama win that helps right. them. But still, Texas is not getting in unless they they're 12 and one and big 12 champs. Right. So I want to be clear with that. Oklahoma, even if Texas loses and falters down and Oklahoma plays somebody else in the Big 12 title game, 100% locked in. 13-0 Oklahoma, I don't care who they play in the Big 12 title game, is in the is in the college football playoff unless there are four other undefeated teams. Then you get the, the comparison and the breakdown. But they will not be picked. A right. one-loss team will not jump a 13-0 Big 12 Oklahoma champ. Okay. More positive news, positive vibes for our Sooner audience, our Sooner listeners. You are, you do believe, it would appear, just based on your AP ballot, and you are an Associated Press voter, that uh, you, you think that, uh, that Oklahoma, even looking a little sluggish in beating UCF in a surprisingly close game last week in Norman, you 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 had them ranked as high as two, right? After they beat yeah, the Longhorns? Yeah, yeah, after the Texas win. And look... And I'm glad you asked that because a lot of people, I explain it, they probably still don't understand, don't understand it. But yeah, I do my AP poll. I do my bowl projections. They're, they're two different things. My AP mm -hmm. poll is based on a snapshot of what has happened up to that point. It's not a projection of how I think the teams will finish the year. It's not a projection of how good these teams are supposed to be. It's simply what have you done for me up to this point? Mm -hmm. Oklahoma's win against Texas is arguably one of the best wins of the season so yeah i moved them up to number two well then the next week they struggle against ucf very fortunate to win that game they did win the game so i did drop them down a little bit after that so when you look at my bold projections that's what i think is going to happen down the road right. so that's right. why people will wonder why does he have ou number two one week but he doesn't have ou in his in his college football playoff yeah. it's because up to this point last week anyway OU, I thought, deserved to be number two. And that's, you know, next Tuesday. I don't know if a lot of your viewers realize this or not. Next Tuesday, Halloween, um, will be the first ranking of the college football playoff. Right. I think if there are no upsets this week of the of the top five or six teams, I think the committee puts Ohio State at number one. Why would they do that? Because they have two wins against teams that yeah. are currently in the top 25, Notre Dame and Penn State. Nobody yeah. else has more than more than one. Georgia, by the way, has zero. I think Georgia won't be any higher than three. Where's Georgia been every week in the AP poll? They've been number one. I voted Ohio State number one this week. Mm -hmm. um, if you ask me, pro I would probably pick Georgia to beat Ohio State. But until Georgia beats a ranked team, I can't rank Georgia higher higher than three right now. That's just mm -hmm. how I look at it. Other people look at it differently. While we're on this, what? Uh... Let's let's hear about the top four. If you have, you said Ohio State in one, Georgia three. Again, barring upsets this weekend, if uh, if everyone wins the games they're supposed to this weekend, uh, Florida State. I think Florida State comes in at number two. They've got Duke, the win right, against right. LSU. They have the win against Duke. They have two top twenty-five wins. Right. Obviously, I think Ohio State's top twenty-five wins are more impressive than Florida State. And then basically, you know, again, you're trying to predict how thirteen people are going to vote. 
so then after that, you've got Michigan, who is, mm-hmm. you know, SEAL club, literally everybody they played this year. They haven't played any any ranked opponents. I don't know how many of the teams they played actually have winning records for that fact. Um, you've got Georgia up there. Um, you've got Oklahoma, who has the win against Texas. Where are they going to put Oklahoma? You've got Washington yeah, with the right. win against Oregon. I mean, right. I do think that some people may vote Washington and Oklahoma ahead of Georgia and Michigan because of mm-hmm. their win wins against ranked teams. So mm-hmm. I feel very, I mean, we'll see. I, you know, I don't tell anyone I've been wrong before, but I do really <laughs> think if there's no, uh, no upsets, Ohio State will be number one. I think Florida State will be number two. And then that three, four, five, six mix is going to be fascinating to see where they slot all those guys in. Because do you vote on base? on what has been accomplished through the season, or you do you vote on your preconceived notions that, well, Georgia's the two-time defending champ. They're really good, but they haven't played anybody. Michigan's beat everybody, but they haven't played everybody. Well, what do we do with OU and Washington? They have two of the best wins of the season. So yeah. uh, that's what makes college football so great is, you know, yeah. you have so many differing opinions. Unfortunately, we're not on a selection committee, so we don't get it. <laughs> we don't get yeah. to determine the playoff. A lot of hot tempers, a lot of uh, different tempers, different feelings when, uh, when when it comes to college football. You know this as well as anyone, Brett. And therefore, the caveat, and I think you shared it on your on your Twitter feed or your social media channel, even perhaps in the last 24 hours, I don't know if it was this morning or, or very recently, a reminder in case the Sooners don't make, they let's say they <laughs> win at Kansas, and that's that's an if, not a, not a, not a for sure. It's going to be a tough game, yeah. Yeah, it is. We'll talk about that. Um, but if they do get out of Lawrence still unbeaten and they don't show up in the top four next week, uh, the caveat that you shared was, let's, let's don't, you don't want to go overboard with this, right? The only thing that matters is what we see on, again, Selection Sunday, so to speak. Yeah, and again, that's, I think, the most frustrating thing for fans is they see these rankings and they think that these teams are slotted in certain spots so then if they win the following week, then they should remain in the same spot. Yeah. It doesn't happen that way. They right. they do a clean slate every week, which basically these rankings, look, I worked at ESPN. It's no secret. These <laughs> rankings are done for TV. They're TV ratings. It's a TV show. That's all yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, so don't put a lot into these first five rankings. Um, the only one, like you said, that matters is Sunday, or the final Sunday, uh, December 2nd or 3rd. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's uh, let's uh, dig into the Sooners just a little bit, and I, and before we talk anything specific about the, the matchup with Kansas Saturday, and it is interesting. Uh, you did you you didn't see this coming, did you? I I know I didn't. I didn't know what to make of Oklahoma after Venable's first season, going six and seven. I I, I figured they'd be better, but beyond that, I, I have no idea. So, I, anything really surprise you about what what's going on in Norman? I am surprised they're undefeated, to be very honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe their over-under win total in Vegas was nine and a half. Mm-hmm. And you looked at the schedule, and other than Texas, uh, yeah, they were they were projected before the season to be favored in every game but Texas. And that's what's going to happen. They're going to be favored in every game except for Texas. But to win those last year, by the way, <laughs> sorry to bring up bad memory sooner, fans. <laughs> Last year before the season, Venable's first season, Oklahoma was projected to be favored in all 12 games. They went six and six. So that just because you're projected to be right. favored or power rated to be favored doesn't mean anything. Um, yeah, I've, I, was, I was one that wasn't sure how Venables would do as a head coach. And his first year, 
I didn't expect Oklahoma to struggle that much, but they did. <clears throat> this year, it seems like, you know, things have been figured out. They're obviously doing a lot better. Um, you know, again, the scare against UCF, uh, you know, the SMU game was probably a lot closer than people expected. But bottom line is, at the end of the year, nobody's going to care if you only beat UCF by two or you struggled against SMU. They're going to look at your win-loss record. And, you know, they've done they've done tremendous. You know, Dylan Gabriel, you know, we talk about Oklahoma runs a table 13-0. and If Oklahoma goes 13-0, and Dylan Gabriel's going to be in New York City. Mm -hmm. uh, I, re I really believe that. The Heisman has become the, the – <laughs> And I vote for it. I don't know if you do, but it's that the yeah. other people, not me. The Heisman has become the best player on one of the best teams that has one of the best games one of the last two weeks of the regular season. That's right. Oh, that's right. In the conference championship game. So that's good right. news for Gabriel in Oklahoma. But yeah, your original question, I, I thought when I saw the nine and a half wins, I thought probably 10 and two, maybe nine and three. Um, I did not expect them to go undefeated. I thought obviously they would lose to Texas and then. You know, Oklahoma has has had some upsets along the way. Uh, you know, Iowa State, most notably, seems to pick off the Sooners um, when they're monster underdogs. But so far, so good for OU. And now they go to Kansas, uh, which I think is going to be a tricky game. Uh, mm -hmm. OU's uh, nine, ten-point favorite. That seems you a know, little Jay high. Yeah, Jalen Daniels, Big 12 Offensive Preseason Player of the Year, hasn't played the last few weeks. Uh, he's, you know, questionable or doubtful, depending on who you talk to. Jason Bean's still done pretty well. Um, I think what helps the Sooners is Kansas's defense has, has not been one of the strongest in, in the conference. And I think, oh, you right. can take advantage of that. So I think this will be a, a high scoring game. I think OU's more talented, um, you know, longest, it looks like that the Texas hangover, you know, I think is gone after UCF. So I, I think, Oklahoma should survive this, which if they do, and, and Oklahoma State takes care of business against Cincinnati, will set up an epic uh, bedlam finale, at least for the next, uh, you know, 10 to 15 years. Isn't that interesting? Gosh, it wasn't, but maybe a few hours ago, it feels like around here anyway, Brett, that we were thinking, what in the heck is Mike Gundy going to do to squeeze six <laughs> wins out of this this bunch? How is the, how are they going to even stay on the same field in their in potentially final bedlam against Oklahoma? And here we are. <laughs> here he is again doing what no one thought conceivable, Gundy, uh, taking a team that left for dead against South Alabama and then against Iowa State in two and two. And you're thinking, where is this going to end? And they're five and two. They've all they've done since then is uh, beaten Kansas State and Kansas and West Virginia, and in all three games, you were probably leaning the other way as a neutral. And they've, they've got a guy now, you talk about guys angling for New York, or you talk about Dylan Gabriel doing that at OU. I, I suppose there's a scenario now where Ollie Gordon <laughs> keeps cranking up, you know, Barry Sanders-esque numbers and finds his way into at least a conversation to, to get a trip. So I don't know, man. I mean, is it, Lawrence Stillwater, Provo, if those are the three trips left for the Sooners before a potential rematch with Texas, where where do you go there? I mean, is it is it Stillwater most dangerous to Provo least, or what do you think? You know, B BYU's got a decent record, but I don't think they're as good as the record shows. Like, they beat Texas Tech. Tex Texas Tech's down to the third quarterback. I think, 
I think uh, Joey McGuire is going to call you, you know, as soon as we get done, see if you have any eligibility left. That'd be a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. So they're really in a tough spot. So I, I mean, BYU, you know, playing in Provo will be cool and all that. And that could be, that could be difficult, but I, I just think OU is so much more talented and so mm-hmm. much better than BYU. Obviously, the Oklahoma State game, I think, should be the toughest. But, you know, with this with this series, you know, and look, I grew up an OU fan. I was talking to you before we, we did this. I grew up an Oklahoma fan. My, my, my parents still live in Oklahoma. They're OU fans. My sister went to OU. I'm the black sheep in the family. Excuse me, the orange and black sheep in the family. I went to Oklahoma State. But it seems like in the history of this rivalry, whenever it's like Oklahoma State appears that they've got a really good shot to maybe compete and beat Oklahoma, more times than not, they don't. It's almost like the years where they supposedly have no chance. Yeah. That's where they have the that's where they have the that's when they pull off the upset. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly, you know, and it, look, I'll be very honest. I'm an Oklahoma State grad, proud poke. I, when Oklahoma State lost those back-to-backs to South Alabama and Iowa State, I called my dad. I talked to him every week. I said, don't be surprised if OSU goes 2-10. and 10. I'm like, <laughs> Oklahoma State is not going to win another game. I, yeah, I'm like, right. I don't know what in the hell is going on. But, hey, give, give Gundy 100% of the credit. They had that bye week. He got some things figured out. And look, I think most people, at least the people that do power ratings and, you know, all this uh, analytic stuff, they look at Kansas State as probably the third best team in the conference. Oklahoma State, you know, handled Kansas State. Obviously, they got some benefits from turnovers. Um, They took care of Kansas. They they got revenge. You know, I guess they're going to be printing up the state of Kansas state champ T-shirts for the for the pokes. Um, but yeah. And then Gundy, you know, Gundy's going to be an underdog against Oklahoma. And I've, I've tweeted it. I think it's nine and one now, 10 and one, nine and one, 10 and one in Oklahoma state's last, we'll say 10 games is a home underdog. Oklahoma state has won nine of those games. I'm not talking about covering the spread. I'm talking about winning, pulling off the upset in nine of the last 10 games as a home underdog. They will be a home underdog against the Sooners. Um, you know, the atmosphere is going to be incredible because, Man. you know, as, as yeah. I've reported and, and a lot of other people have reported, this is going to be the last bedlam um, for, you know, at least a dozen years, maybe longer until the, you know both schools can figure out when they we, when they can play or when they decide they. Yeah. Hey, maybe we don't need to play a group extra group five team. Maybe no we can kidding. play our in-state rival, but I'm not too hopeful for that. But yeah, I yeah. kind of rambled on about this, but yeah, I. I'll be very honest. I thought the Pokes were headed for two and ten, and now I'm like, you know what? Maybe they can get to Dallas for the for the Big Twelve yeah. title game if things break right. No, I know it's. I was in, we were talking to Rashad Owens, OSU's receiver, after they beat K State, and um, we were, you know, throwing out, oh, you Texas this that you know you watch the game that kind of thing, and and it's uh, said. Yeah, watch the game because that was that was OSU won that game on Friday night. Sooners and Longhorns played on Saturday, so many OSU players admitted to, to sitting down and watching. They should have. It was an interesting game, and but but Rashad was sort of being analytical about it. And uh, at one point, I said, "Well, isn't it weird? I mean, you got Oklahoma on your schedule, but you're not supposed to play Texas. So wasn't that kind of strange not having to scout both teams for a change?" And he kind of looked at me and said, 
well, I mean, we could play them, <laughs> right? In, in, in Arlington, right? For the Big 12 yeah. championship. And you just, you know, bless his heart, right? Is your, is your, is your reaction. But, but here we are, right? And, and two more, two wins later, and Ollie Gordon and Alan Bowman and whatever Gundy's doing is, you know, the resident witch doctor. It's, yes, they are, they are one bedlam win away from making this very, very real. Yeah, and they would look. They would have the head-to-head against Oklahoma. So if they both finished with the same number of losses <laughs> right. in conference, right, right, they would get the nod. So uh, the the good news, you know, for Oklahoma State fans would be, um, you know, they would have a shot at getting the Big Twelve title game. The bad news for Big Twelve fans is you're basically um, maybe eliminating the Big Twelve from the college football playoff talk. Mm. Yeah. You said that you were an OSU, you are an OSU alum, that you grew up an OU fan. You've admitted, therefore, your your investment in the Bedlam from sort of both sides of the rivalry. How do you feel about what's going on, Brett? How do you feel about this really being it? It's, um, I'll sum it up in two words. It sucks. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. I, I And look, I understand why, I understand the thinking behind both schools. Um, you know, I've talked to Chad. I've, I've talked to Joe. I understand Oklahoma State's position. I, know, I understand Oklahoma's position. It's just unfortunate that, you know, both schools cannot figure out a way to have this game played. With that being said, I understand why it's not played, you know, because the schedules are made out from now until the year 3000. I don't know why, but they got to schedule 900 years in advance. That's just how colleges do it these days. And so you're locked up with all these big profile non-conference games. And look, these are some monster games coming up. You know, Oklahoma State's got Oregon and I think Nebraska, Oklahoma's got, I can't remember, Notre Dame, Alabama, um, whoever they have. These are big games, you know, but the the thing is the scheduling philosophy, and it's not just OSU and OU, it's it's basically the majority of, of the Power Five schools, is that you play one major non, non-conference Power Five opponent, and then you play a smaller Group Five opponent. Mm-hmm. And so basically you would have to cancel all of these future Power Five opponents because nobody in their right mind is going to schedule two Power five non-conference opponents, especially if you've got nine conference games like Oklahoma State will in the Big 12. The SEC is going to be at eight games. I think eventually that gets moved up to nine games. And so, um, yeah, it's horrible. And, you know, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma is not the first rivalry that this has happened to. I mean, Texas A&M and Texas, that rivalry ended. Now it's going to resume because we'll be in the same conference, West Virginia Pitt. Um, you know, we can go on and on because of conference realignment. And Mm -hmm. I know people want to put blame on, well, it's Oklahoma State's fault because they won't change their schedule. Well, it's Oklahoma's fault because they left for the SEC. I mean, it depends on, you know, whether you're wearing orange or red, who you're going to put the blame on. The blame is on is on both parties. I understand what Gundy says when he's like, look, Oklahoma, they chose to leave the conference. Mm -hmm. But Oklahoma State could say, you know what, we'll drop the group five team and we'll play Oklahoma if Oklahoma would play that game and put it on the Sooners and see if they would do that. Ultimately, one other thing, and look, I'm an Oklahoma State grad 
proud of Oshulam. But what drives me bananas is when Oklahoma State fans, when OU left for the SEC, and Oklahoma State fans were so upset that OU left. You know, there was administrators, politicians, why Oklahoma should have told us they were leaving. Oklahoma shouldn't have done that. Oklahoma should have took Oklahoma State with them. I'm like, are you crazy? I mean, look, I'm an OSU guy, but if the roles were reversed, Mm -hmm. Oklahoma State would have had no um, requirement to notify OU, nor would they have been expected to do that. So I understand emotions get involved. Um, You know, it's it's a great rivalry. They call it Bedlam for a reason. And uh, yeah, it's just it's to sum it up as I as I started out, it sucks that this is going to be the last one we're going to see for a long time. You know, I know, you know, Chad and, and Joe are both working to to see when they can get this thing um, going again. But just with the requirements and the commitments for their schedules, um, it, it I'm afraid it's going to be a while. Yeah. Uh, full disclosure, I'm a Kansas grad. The KU-Missouri Missouri. Yeah. 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 I was about to say the KU-Missouri rivalry, which literally goes back to bloodshed from from the Civil War. I mean, it, yeah. people have. People who aren't familiar have no idea how far they back invented that fire, goes. and then the next year Kansas played at Missouri. I remember that. Yeah, and <laughs> when Missouri, similar to what Oklahoma has done, hightailed it for the SEC, left Kansas, you know, hanging so to speak. There was a lot of animosity out of Lawrence, and and I think it was best represented by what Bill Self. We we're talking good basketball now, not football, but. Since it's Kansas, we 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 default to basketball, and, and anytime Self was asked about it for years, well, they're the ones that went to the SEC. Yeah, right? he mean, said he, and I know Bill very well from Oklahoma. Right. My days at Oklahoma State, he flat out said we're not playing Missouri. Now they've played them since, um, you know. But yeah, it's yeah, it's just. And look, I cover a lot of conference realignment. I've been fortunate to break a lot of stories with conference realignment. Mm-hmm. I hate conference realignment. I hate mm-hmm. what it's done to the sport. Everyone's yeah. chasing the dollar. And so that's what happens when you have all these rivalries get ended. Yeah. Well, KU is KU to finish that, that story. KU is playing Missouri again in basketball, but it's taken until now for it to become right. a thing again. So that there's, there's your, your sliver of light. If you're into Bedlam and you're into tradition, there may be a time that, that this happens again, but you, you may have, you may also have to have to wait a while. I, Brett, the fact that well, here here's where con- we are with conference realignment. The the best league, at least, or maybe well, I don't know, best or certainly most entertaining league with all of the great quarterbacks is out in the pack. Yeah, there's not going to be a pack. Yeah, right. To, I would to, I would argue, Garen, that the Pac-12, the the top six teams in their league are better than any any top six teams in any mm-hmm. other conference by far. They've got six teams in the top twenty five right now. Um, you've got Washington, Oregon, or playoff contenders. I mean, everyone's forgetting about Utah and Oregon State. They only have one loss. If they run the table, they're going to yeah. be in the mix. And yeah, it's it's unfortunate that this league's going to split up. Some of them to the Big Ten, some of them to the Big Twelve, <laughs> some of them to the ACC. That's yeah, another story. Luck. Some of them. Good luck to you. Yeah, and then you got Oregon. You got poor Oregon State and Washington State. You know, kind of fending for themselves, trying to. Do whatever they can't do their little, uh, yeah. their little two step with the Mountain West and figure something out there. But yeah, I mean, just because of geography, I think Jonathan Smith of Oregon State's the most underrated coach in the country, uh-huh. and I hate that this is happening to them. Oh, 
Um, and it's all ba it's based on nothing other than where the school's located. It's not how good you are. It's not the product mm -hmm. you put on the field or anything, anything else. Yep. Yep. And how many, yeah. And how many eyeballs are on your game? TV viewers. Yep. Yeah. People aren't watching Oregon state. They're watching Oregon if, in that part of the country for sure. Um, Hey, uh, I'm contractually obligated now, I think, uh, as a as a columnist, a media member, a podcast host out of out of Tulsa or, or Oklahoma. Uh, it literally the, the verbiage bred in my contract is pile on the Lincoln Riley wherever you can. And so, <laughs> so real quick, I'm going to do this with your help. Another tweet from from your social media uh, channel this week. Did, and I want to make sure I, I, I read what I read. Lincoln's <laughs> record. Through 22 games is the same as Clay Helton's. Is that right? Yes. Yes. They're, they're both 17 and five. Um, wow. So here, I'm, I'm going to give you the, I'll, I'll try to make this quick. Lincoln Riley has made some missteps at USC off the field. He didn't allow any of his players to talk to the media after they lost to Utah. First time in a hundred years at USC. You cannot do that. As a college coach, you simply cannot do that. Um, that is not a good look. Obviously, they're having defensive issues like they've had at Oklahoma. Oklahoma fans are loving that. In fact, the last two weeks, I've tweeted perfect day for OU fans because OU won and UCF, UCF, USC lost. Um, right. But on the flip side... When he left Oklahoma and the Oklahoma fans called him a traitor and pe people were quest people were texting me, can he really take players with him? Can he take the assistant coaches? Then I realized this has never happened to Oklahoma in like forever, that they didn't realize this happens to the other 132 schools literally every five years. And so I, I understand the Oklahoma the hurt, the frustration, the betrayal. But look, it guys, it's a business. You know, you can't expect what yeah. you had was special with Stoops being there forever. What you had was special with Switzer being there forever. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I guess most OU fans are are too young to remember the 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 salad days of John Blake and Schnellenberger and, and Gary Gibbs, which we Oklahoma State fans call the you know the golden era. Um, but yeah, I mean, come on, it's a business. He took another yeah. job. Yeah, it's bad, but it, it happens everywhere. And I, I just, that kind of turned me, turned my stomach the way you, oh, you fans were playing him out to be a, a trader and all this. Look, coaches leave every year for another job. It's not the end of the world. And yes, it's not against the NCAA rules to take players with you or take coaches with you. It happens at the other 132 schools, it just took you guys 200 years to finally experience it. My default is when I'm up against this this mindset, do yourself a favor for your peace of mind. Enjoy seven and zero. Enjoy your seven and zero more than back to back losses at SC. Right? I mean, yeah. I, just just they're, for your own peace of mind. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean. Uh, uh, and I, I honestly, Brett, I think, I think a lot of the angst and 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 rancor, bitterness, whatever you want to call it, um, yeah, it, it was, it was, it goes back as far as his original decision for sure. But we were in a, we were in a much different place a year ago with OU headed toward a losing season. Caleb Williams headed toward a Heisman Trophy, right? And 
Lincoln sort of reaping the the benefits. Uh, didn't 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 reap what he wanted to, but still had a pretty good year and got himself another Heisman Trophy to show. So I I think that it's not just what he did. I'm not and I'm not rationalizing it, justifying it. It's not just the moment. It's what happened a year ago in the aftermath. And uh, oh yeah, and I yeah. look. I know the timing. The timings. There's never a good time to to leave any mm-hmm. coach. You know. You know, mm-hmm. you can we can go down the laundry list of coaches that have left. There's never a good time. It's always, well, you didn't tell the team. You can't tell the team. The agents leak it. It gets out. It's impossible to tell the team. But look, if OU fans are so concerned about Lincoln and wanting to beat Lincoln, I have a, I have a, Garen, I have a solution right here. I'll break it on your podcast. Lose to Oklahoma State, and then you can play USC in the Alamo Bowl. It'll be a ratings bonanza. San Antonio, I'm not sure could survive that. Man, I'm serious. <laughs> I'm I, USC would not play, USC would not play that game. I I guarantee US the Pac-12 would notify the Alamo Bowl and tell them USC is not playing Oklahoma. The same way you brought up Kansas and Missouri, the same way Missouri notified bowl officials, multiple bowl officials, we are not playing Kansas in a bowl game. So unfortunately, in the non-playoff bowls and in the non-New Year Six games, the teams can dictate who they play or don't play. So as mm-hmm. much as I'd love to see OU and USC match up in a in a Alamo Bowl game or you know any other non-playoff bowl game, uh, as long as Lincoln's there, I'm, it, it ain't gonna happen. As much as I'd love it to. Gosh, I mean that's. I would seriously, I would worry about the city of San Antonio. I'm not kidding. <laughs> if that if that were to happen, that's an NBA town, right? They don't college football. I mean, well, there may be some uh, Texas X's there, some A and M. Yeah. Uh, UTSA members. Roadrunners, baby. Well, yeah, yeah, they've done some, but it's just not what they they have right, no idea. Right. As of now, real quick, you've got OSU in that game against SC, right? In your, I in do your because I think you know. Look, the way Oklahoma State's uh, trending, you know, I they get the nod over Kansas State. Um, we'll have to see. Um, you know, I think it's either going to be if OU and Texas hold serve, I think it's going to be either Oklahoma State or Kansas State in the in the Alamo Bowl. And mm-hmm. I think USC, no matter what their record is, you know, unless they lose out, I don't think that's realistic. But, you know, even if they go nine and three, um, the Pac-12 bowl set up, you can take a team with one fewer win than somebody yeah. else. So the Alamo Bowl, I think because of USC would would choose them over a 10 win team. Although if that is nine and three USC, I don't think Caleb Williams is playing in that game. I, yeah. I, I, I doubt it. Yeah. I, I highly doubt it. Gosh, let's think, let's just pause and, and just appreciate the beauty of 100% of, of Sooner nation getting behind OSU for a football <laughs> game. Exactly. That happened, man. Yeah, first and last for everything. I guess it might be a full one hundred to zero. You may have OU fans come to the game. They won't wear orange, orange. but they'll come to the game. Yeah, well, dude, I if it if it would beat Lincoln Riley, I I know how twisted it's gotten here, man. If if (laughs) anything to help the cause, they'll put the they'll put the pistol peep boxers on if if it's worth another field goal in that game. I'm not kidding. It's out of hand. It's nuts. So all right. Uh, you have time for a couple of exit questions before we get yeah, let you loose. Yeah, sure. That, that'd be cool. If, if anyone's What's still the, um, awake, if anyone's still awake, I'll take no, a couple no, no. more You're, questions. I, I was told you'd be a ratings driver, and I, I, <laughs> I, I am. Da- I am down. 
I had I had Antonio Morales real quick. I had Antonio Morales of the Athletic on. Uh, yeah. The writer covers USC out there. And that, this was after the Notre Dame Notre Dame beat the Trojans. We taped the pod. Then USC lost to Utah, and that thing. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad for Antonio because we were all we were talking about were the breakdowns in the Notre Dame game. But now it's gotten like a ninety percent renewal rate just because of what happened against Utah yeah. last week. Yeah. So, um, hey, real quick. Uh, I got. I ask anyone who's done, who's been in the business long enough and seen a lot more than I have. What's What's the best college football game you've personally seen, or or, or maybe oh, covered? <clears throat> Man, I wish you. I wish I would have known beforehand because I would have tried I, I to know. remember one. Uh, the best best one I've seen is probably sorry, OU fans, the Boise State yeah. OU Fiesta Bowl. Yeah. Um, just because of the back and forth of that game. Um, that was, that was incredible. Um, God, I, yeah, I hate to do this. I honestly, no, no, don't no it's not, it's, it's, it's okay. It's on it, it. Element of surprise works in in my favor, but not in the guests. And that's, that's, that's yeah. for my shame. I mean, there's, you know, I could name five Bedlam games off top of my head, but <laughs> I don't know if I'd put them above, you know, some other national title games or, or different things like that. So. What's the what's top of your head? What's your favorite Bedlam game of all time? And it can be as an alum. I mean, it doesn't have to be as a as a journalist. I mean, is there is there one you attended as as a student that still? Uh, is I will make this very not my well not my favorite, just most memorable. In '76, I was there. Terry Miller. I was an OU fan. Terry Miller <laughs> went 72 yards on the third play of the game. I was a you know little kid rooting for OU. My heart was broken by Terry Miller. I got to see him in Las Vegas last year at the College Football Hall of Fame induction. I reminded of, reminded him of that, but then we had a, a drink to celebrate because he's he's an Oka, Oka, Oklahoma State guy. Yeah. I, can we? Can I say Oki State like it, not a derogatory term, but I know people get upset about that. To me, it's a loving term, but I won't use it again. Um, Nineteen ninety-five, Oklahoma State <laughs> beats Oklahoma for the first time since that nineteen. 19- 76 win and yes i yeah. still have a bumper sticker here from that year that. 1995 that. it simply says oklahoma state 12 because OU didn't score to which all my friends tell me that was actually the cumulative average act score of incoming students they may be right uh 1983 at oklahoma state tim lasher onside kick off chris rockin's helmet scott case recovers Sooners win 21-20. Last year, of course, was supposed to kick it deep. Didn't help hear Switzer change the play. I was at the Ice Bowl in 85, froze to death, watched OU win. Yeah. Uh, the most memorable probably was an OU, OU win in 1988. Uh, hmm. Brent Parker. I'm oh, in a restaurant. Yeah. I'm in, in a restaurant in Tampa, Florida, watching the game. Gundy throws the pass. It bounces off Brent Parker's hands. I stand up and yell, oh, budge. And the owner of the restaurant says, you need to leave. So, uh-huh. yeah, it was a fan. It, the game kicked at like 2.30 Eastern time, I think. I was in Tampa. So when we when we got there, it wasn't uh, the crowded. But then like the dinner crowd had come in. And so it's just me and some bu- buddies watching the game. 
And, um, you know, by the time it went final, it was around 6.30 or 7 dinner time, and it kind of packed in, and there were some children there. And, uh, yeah, they, uh, they said, hey, it's, it's time to go. Um, so, yeah, but then my, my favorite Oklahoma State win, when I was actually an Oklahoma State fan, was 2011 Oklahoma State won the Big 12 title. I covered that game for CBS Sports. Mm-hmm. 44-10 and one of the, I you mentioned my Twitter account I get a bunch of Twitter responses my favorite Twitter response of all time this will never be topped is I was tweeting something about the game Oklahoma State dominated that game and one of the responses was from an Oklahoma fan and they replied wait till next year and I my head blew up I said oh my god an Oklahoma State an Oklahoma fan just told me to wait till next year my life is complete. I can die in peace now. So yeah, I, it's just there's so many other, you know, Stoops kicking deep the, to to Hill kicking the Tyreek Hill, yeah, yeah, yeah. repunt, repunt. I mean, yeah, there's there's a billion of those. Oklahoma one is one the majority of them I understand, but boy, you sure don't want to lose that last one. That's going to leave oh a bad gosh. taste in somebody's mouth. Yeah, you're going to be there, you say, right? Of course, I you will are. be there covering it for the Action Network. Yeah, two weeks, can't wait. You got a weather forecast for me yet? Is it too far out? Well, I'm assuming that it's going to be more pleasant. This weekend doesn't look good at all. Um, I'm, I'm off to Lawrence, where it might be 45 if we're lucky, and oh, Grizzly. Wow. So uh, all of a sudden, we 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 bypassed fall and gone right to early winter uh, here in Oklahoma. So. I hope that that cold front is moved onward and, and outward by a week from Saturday in Stillwater. I think okay. 11 a.m., right? I, I, they haven't announced it yet, but we're all on the 11 a.m. track, I think. For really? No, I, I disagree. I think if you know, Oklahoma, think be a- if Oklahoma and Oklahoma State win this week, I think it's a 7 p.m. kick. On, so, that, that, so it's uh, not on Fox. So it, it's It'd be not on ESPN, game. right? That's what it's I, not. I, to be honest, I don't. I saw the time slots from the Big Twelve. I didn't okay. look at the networks. Okay. So, yeah, if it's if well, Fox is locked in, then yeah, it's it's eleven a.m., which I would hate. Yeah. If Fox is not locked in and it's ESPN, then I think it's it's going to be a yeah. it would be a six o'clock or seven o'clock it, local kick. It feels like it deserves, uh, yeah, the, the light the lights treatment at uh, Boone Pickens. Uh, if, if this is really going to be it for a while, so well, we'll yeah. we'll just see for ourselves. That the window's the window, and it'll expire on Monday, and we'll know. Well, we'll know before Monday, but but for now, as as we talk here, we don't know. We just know it's going to be crazy. That's that's what we know. Yeah. National College Football Insider for Action Network and Bedlam Investor. Uh, as a fan and a student and a journalist, Brett McMurphy has been our guest on Mind Games, a weekly presentation of the Sellout Crowd Network. Big thanks to our friends back uh, behind the curtains, Jacqueline Musgrove, for producing Michael Lane for his creative work. Please download uh, the show, like it, subscribe to the things all the kids do every week, courtesy of iTunes and YouTube and Spotify and Apple and Amazon and wherever else you go. Brett, thanks very much for coming on, man. It's been a pleasure. You got it. The, hopefully I'll see you in Stillwater in a couple of weeks. You, you will see me in Stillwater, and we'll see everyone back here next week for another episode of Mind Games with Garen Emig. Take care.